Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for the best of European football, you've come to the right place. Welcome to On the Continent. I'm Dotson Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Lars Sievertson. On today's show, if sickies in the squad can't slow them down, can anything or any team stop buying from being crowned kings of Europe again. And why would a 17-year-old wunderkid choose Germany over England? Also, how many chances do Real Madrid need to impress against 10 men? And it's for the hard way at the top of Ligue 1 as PSG invite Monaco to join Le Party. First, though, Gentlemen, Lash and Andy, I think we have to look at some of the losers this week in the Champions League. Was that a surprising defeat for Atletico against Chelsea? I, th- I don't know if it was that surprising, really, Dotton, because um, Atletico have had something not quite right for probably about a month now, even though the results have only really gone awry in the last four or five games. And them them going back to this ultra-defensive sort of formation, it's a bit like an old comfort blanket, really. A bit like an old teddy. And um, obviously, a lot of people didn't find Atletico particularly cuddly the way they, the way they played. Um, but I've, I got the impression, certainly from some of that outrage to their approach on, on, on social media, that there's maybe not an acknowledgement that Atleti have evolved a little bit. And... I think there has to be a bit of understanding for this kind of, we've got to say it, low energy approach really, Lars, because it's easier to get all behind the ball when you're knackered. And, you know, there was a lot of criticism of Jao Felix, for example, not being fed. But he, to me, looked like someone who's, well, 
had coronavirus recently. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you mentioned, I think the key point here is they have had a pretty significant wobble recently. You know, dropping dropping points to Celta, dropping points to Levante, losing to Levante. And I remember, I, I was watching the build-up. I don't want to dig out pundits, that's not what we're here for. But you, you did hear all the old cliches being trotted out about how, well, you know, if Atletico score a goal, then, you know, it's going to be very hard because it's impossible to score against Atletico. You know, they, they haven't kept a clean sheet in, what, seven games yeah. now. So they're clearly not quite right. The only thing I just felt was very, very frustrating was the energy point is, is, is I understand, and is well taken. But I do wonder if we were all talking earlier in the season they were playing in a slightly more attack-minded way. Like, they've not suddenly morphed into Zdenek Zeman's Foggia, but they were playing a slightly <laughs> more attacking manner. And and, and honestly, I, it's not because they necessarily, Simeone, wanted to do that, just because the squad, it suits the squad a lot more. Now, I understand the notion that if everyone's a little bit leggy and results have suddenly turned a bit, the instinct will be to retreat back into the shell. But I'm not sure they really have... The, the players to do that in quite the same way. They don't have quite as many players whose faces look like Goya paintings uh, <laughs> c- c- compared to what they did a few years back. They have a couple of them. But, but, but there, there are some footballers in here who I think you get more out of if you allow them to play football. And, and you listen, I don't... With, with Simeone, all criticism needs to be tempered with the fact that he's done an amazing, amazing job. And you can hardly blame him for defaulting onto methods that have worked before in a time of, of concern. But I'm not convinced the sort of a testudo formation is how you actually get the most out of the squad they have this season. Although it's mentioned Gladbach that um, perhaps uh, have some sympathy for, because when you look at their position in the German league, they shouldn't really be in the Champions League, should they? And they come against a Man City, a really informed Man City, who look like they mean business. Uh, that that result wasn't so surprising, was it, Andy? That's that's true, Dotton. And of course, they've had all the Marco Rosa stuff going on um, behind the scenes with him being forced to deny, um, as we said last week, that he would uh, take any of their players to, to Dortmund with him next season. So it has been a, a time that not only have they been preparing for a huge sporting challenge in facing Manchester City, but trying to find some sort of calm at the club but I wish you'd been a pundit on German telly last night actually because they had uh, the rather more combative Sandro Wagner who saw the um, (laughs) interview from Florian Neuhaus the Gladbach midfielder immediately afterwards where he said well you know they are better than us but we did need to be a bit braver and Wagner said well that's fine that he said that in the interview (laughs) why couldn't you have done it on the pitch (laughs) it's not really down to the coach no And let's stay with the German theme, because Bayern went to Rome to meet Lazio. And, (laughs) well, this was a Bayern team that was depleted by injuries and sickness. If I was Lazio, I'd be thinking, cool, I wouldn't like to meet them when they're at full strength. Because they got got hammered, Lazio, didn't they, Lars? They did, but 
If you were a Lazio Dawson, I don't think you would have given them goals and quite as easily as, I mean, you're a canny operator. I don't think you would have randomly given Lewandowski the ball right in front of the box after uh, after just a few minutes. I mean, it, yes, Bayern looked very good. And I have to give a shout out to our to our very dear friend, Nicky Bandini, who I thought nailed it on, on Twitter while watching the game, saying, you know, every time... Lazio has the ball it looks like the pitch is really heavy and then Bayern has the ball and it doesn't look like that anymore <laughs> and I think that's spot on that's such a good observation by her and uh, I, I, you have to give huge credit I think to the the coaching staff at Bayern whatever they've been doing conditioning wise you know we're talking about a, a point of the season a very challenging season where a lot of teams are looking very leggy uh, Bayern looked fabulous uh, physically they were they were flying around and um, and, and, and I think that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big part of this win even though Lazio over very very much the architects of their own downfall yeah i think that's right lars and i think we kind of have to take a second to say the last time that lazio got through a group stage of the champions league sven Joran Eriksson was still in charge so them <laughs> having to come up to this level uh, obligatory mention for spen marcus speller makes me do it i think you have to have a bit of understanding for that. They, they did freeze a little. And um, I think you talk about the, the, the error for the Lewandowski goal at the beginning. Um, Musacchio just settling into this team meant to be that bit of stability and, and proves to be the absolute opposite, really. Um, but for Bayern to play with this sort of energy, I thought was really interesting. I mean, we talked about the, the effects and the effects are different, I think, on, on, on different people and are, are also affected by... Um, mood and where the team's at and all the rest of it. But when you bear in mind that Bayern have got one point from the last two Bundesliga games, um, they've seen their lead at the top of the Bundesliga trimmed from seven points to two. And then you have Leon Goretzka, who's come back from coronavirus, comes into the team and makes an enormous difference in terms of driving the team forward, just propels them in a whole different way. And if Lazio made mistakes... You know, Bayern were a wolf below the dinner table. You know, they didn't need any second bidding whatsoever. Uh, Leroy Zane, who's, I think, taken a bit of criticism uh, this season. And even when he had a good second half at Eintracht Frankfurt at the weekend, um, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge got stuck to him, stuck into him on uh, Das Aktuelle Sport Studio, which is like the German equivalent of match of the day, for, for not defending properly. So um, he, he really grabbed the ball by the horns. Coman was excellent. Um there was just so much to love about what Bayern did with what still a pretty patched up team. And, you know, they only had, they only had six subs. So I think it's not just that they played well, but they played with such energy and such dominance in this situation, given what's happened recently and all the injuries and illnesses they've they've had. Yeah. I I don't want to take anything away from Bayern, but I think we are allowed to be frustrated with the manner of which Lazio gave this away. Mm. You just go through the goals one by one. The Musiala goal is excellent. Just a build-up for that was very good. Uh, with a little move inside from Davies and a wonderful little chip from Goretzka and a great finish. I mean, that's just a that's just a brilliant goal. But but the first one is nonsensical, obviously. And the, the second two ones are counters that really should have been avoided. And even for, for both the Sané goal and the Acerbi goal, the Acerbi own goal, you're looking like, where are the rest of the Lazio players? Like, did, 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 they, are they not trying to get back into their own box when you've just conceded a <laughs> counter against Bayern? Like, this this seems like something you should maybe do. Like, it, it, it was very, very frustrating because obviously... Like, you're right, Bayern were very good. And and maybe Lazio doesn't have the firepower to beat Bayern Render on this sort of form anyway. 
but they did make it very easy for them. Having mentioned the injuries, I think Bayern are right at the limit at what they can take because, you know, they've had a real sort of bonus with Musiala coming through the season. I don't think they were planning for that. That's very excellent to have an extra option there. And they did have to play Nicolas Sula at right back, which if Lazio were able to threaten that flank at all would have been a problem, but they weren't, so it was fine. Uh, but, but if you look at the rest of the squad, if anyone else go down with injuries now, you know, you're looking at Bunasar and Chupa Moting and Mark Rocca and these sort of these sort of dudes. So, so they have injuries. They, they have just about the injuries they can sustain, but any more now and they're in real trouble. I can't, I can't really blame Lazio because Bayern were playing really well and it looks like... Lazio were chasing the ball for most of the game. And, you know, when you chase the ball, you just get knackered. And the mistakes that you talk about, Lars, I think are brought about because of tiredness, actually. Whereas Bayern was a team that should have looked more tired. It was the opposite, just because they had such great possession of the ball. But I was so impressed with the future in the shape of a 17-year-old who really should be playing for England but has chosen Germany. <laughs> well, you laugh, you see. It's a typical of a Norwegian to laugh at our woes. <laughs> Are you watching Margaret Thatcher? Your boys will take a beating. <laughs> but, but, no, what's going on? How can we, how can England not attract the best 17-year-old in the Champions League at the moment to come and play for his own country? Well, I mean, he's 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 born 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 in born in Germany to to one German, one Nigerian parent, and plays in Germany. So, <laughs> I mean, I know what you're saying, Dalton, but obviously he spent his formative years in in England. But 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 I think for him, you you can understand the logic of this decision, no? I was born in Nigeria of Nigerian parents. That is not going to stop me choosing. Well, let me think about it. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say... You want to play for Sweden, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you're saying no to that shirt. You're not saying no to that Nigeria shirt. I know you're not. But I, th- I think with Musiala, it's partly situation, as, as, as Lars says. And it is, I think being surrounded by a culture of success at Bayern and great Germany players of um, past, present and future as he sees every day as Sabina Strasse, I think is important. But also, I think it's the personal touch by um, Yogi Love because Yogi Love has um, been to see him a couple of times. He's been to talk to him after the games. He's talked him through exactly where he sees him fitting in the, in the, in the Germany national team. And Gareth Southgate never got out of the starting blocks. So whether that's a sense that Southgate's not familiar with him or simply thinks he has enough cover there or it wasn't a priority for him. Um, I don't know. But Germany did all the hard yards here. And that, I think, is a is a big influence on, on, on Musiala taking this because we had Miguel Delaney on here before talking about the quite tricky concept of dual nationality and how it's not as cut and dried either in terms of heart or head as a lot of people think it is. And I certainly think that when you're 16, 17, 18, you're probably not thinking about it that hard. You're probably thinking about it in terms of, well, you know, you just go with the flow. You play with your mates in in a, in a lot of occasions. And clearly he's in a German environment at the moment. Also, though, we do have to say that he's not just any 17-year-old. 
Um, and not only because he's just about to turn 18, but Dotton, you touched on it. The, the, the fact that he's someone who already, at a club like Bayern, you know, arguably the best club team in the world at the moment, has the confidence to go in there and take the game by the scruff of the neck. You know, every single opportunity he's had this season, he's taken it and he's he's taken it with both hands. He's been absolutely brilliant. As I was saying on the Ramble earlier this week, he's no shrinking violet. He's not happy to make like minor little cameo contributions. He wants to dominate the game. He wants to get into the box. He wants to score goals. He wants to make the passes. He wants to do all of that. So I think presenting a plan to someone like him is very enticing. Yeah, I think it's um, there, there are a couple of interesting facets here. First of all, when it comes to guys who are forced, I really, I, I feel uneasy about a system that kind of forces uh, kids in their teens to pick sort of which country they belong to. This is a really tricky thing Same. to do. I, mm. I, I understand that the option is having a situation where players can switch, which opens a whole other can of worms. So I guess maybe it has to be this way. But I think it's really, really hard. I mean, you're not really fully... Uh, it's it's a big big decision about your identity really that I don't know how many people are really maybe I'm not saying Musiala isn't he seems like an extraordinary young gentleman but there's a lot of people who I'm sure won't be well equipped to make that sort of call at that age and I thought he his quotes were were very sensible and they said I have a I have a heart for Germany and I have a heart for England and both those hearts will keep on beating you know I think this is something that people have to try to understand now one thing I'd like to just say at the end of that. I'm not suggesting at all that he's been thinking about you know, pragmatism in the sporting sense and where he fits in. I'm, I'm sure well, his reasons are his own. But, but I think he has something that Germany could really use in the sense that there has been a concern in Germany that they're producing too many, in inverted commas, academy players, like very tidy footballers. Whereas Musiala clearly has a bit of X factor. He's someone who's, someone who's not afraid to try difficult things. He can go past people. He's got tremendous physique. You can clearly see if he keeps developing and steps it up another couple of notches where he would fit into the German national team and what he would bring. Whereas if you're trying to get into the England squad as like an attacking midfielder, there's like this sort of solid wall of really good number 10s now, uh, be it the sort of Grealish or Madison or Foden or Mount, you know, who, Del Alli, if he comes back into it. Like, there's so many guys there. So even if he was being very uh, pragmatic about this, which I don't know, I have nothing to suggest that he is, but if he was thinking that way, then Germany would still make a lot of sense. They have so viel an Standards getüftet. Groß! Er macht das Tor! Toni Groß! 2 to 1! Das ist nicht zu fassen! Halten Sie mich fest! You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This week at Sukarnov... On the Luke and Pete show, Luke introduced me to some bizarre animal warfare. In the 70s, there was a... <laughs> I can't remember to say this, but I promise you it's true. <laughs> there was a war, an actual war, between rival chimpanzee clans that went on for over four years. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, on Abroad in Japan, Chris is facing off against a natural disaster. So the same day that I'd run out of fuel, right? I was like, well, I made it in one piece. Thank you, God. And then, then like, five hours later, the worst earthquake I've ever experienced. It was a 15-storey building shaking from side to side. It went on so long, I was like, this hotel's coming down, and I don't want to be in it when it does. Listen to Abroad in Japan and The Luke and Pete Show, available on your favourite podcast player. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. Let's move on to talk about Real Madrid, who also scored a decent goal against Atalanta, but they only scored one goal, having been thrown uh, a lucky dip by the referee with a sending off in the first few minutes. This ain't this ain't Real Madrid that we think about in the Champions League, is it, Andy? This, uh, they were not impressive. They struggled to get that goal. Had to wait until sometime in the middle of the second half to get it. And they had lots of chances. But it doesn't look as if Real Madrid are on fire at the moment. No, absolutely not, Dutton. And um, that, that, that's it. It took a, a great goal from Ferland Mondi to to. to, to, to get them that win at the end when Atalanta looked like closing out the the nil-nil draw and um, it felt like it was going to take a firecracker or a set piece for Real Madrid to score really in this game despite playing against 10 for what 72 minutes plus stoppages I think in the end after the um, Remo Freuler sending off uh, Mendy's an interesting one though uh, he is a player when that you consider that Zinedine Zidane and we'll come to global situation of Real Madrid in a, a, a bit but when you consider that Zidane has really struggled to integrate signings and integrate young players and you know you, you look at the question marks over Azard, Edda Militao, Audrey Zola, all those all this money that Real Madrid could scarcely afford to waste at a time like this when they're rebuilding the stadium uh, at the cost of half a billion euros um, and th- that has been the biggest failure of, of his second spell in charge so far but Mendy's just been different um, they needed him at this time because Marcelo physically isn't there anymore I think the fact that Sergio Ramos is um, still doing his stuff for Real Madrid normally of course he was out injured um, at Atalanta this week and will be for a week or so more I think 
the fact that Mendy is able to cover him is making a massive difference to him. It's making a massive difference to the way that Sergio Ramos is, is, is able to continue producing. The interesting thing as well is that Mendy has intervened more and more on the attacking end as, as, as well. Um, and this one, you don't expect your left-footed left-back to come inside and smash one in from 20 yards with his, <laughs> his right foot. But apparently the reason he's got such a good right foot was when he was still in the uh, Paris Saint-Germain Academy and he had a tricky old time there because he had a hip injury at once that was so bad he had to be pushed around in a wheelchair for eight or nine months, is that um, it's a different injury that made his, his right foot so good because he had this ankle injury that simply wouldn't go away and it hurt him to strike the ball with his left foot even though he was left-footed. So he started using his right more and more and more and hence you get this, this brilliant goal away to Atalanta. Yeah, I, I think, uh, God bless you, Andy. Like we don't, we we do want to sit here and talk about the football, and we don't want to sit here and talk about refereeing decisions. But I do find it incredibly <laughs> hard to get past the refereeing aspect of this game. The sending off is is I think is close enough to being correct that you understand why it doesn't get overturned. Yeah, it's not heinous, is it? It's debatable. But it's not heinous. I also. I hate to be that guy, but if it's the other way, if it's for the other team and it's at the, at the, well, not at the Bernabeu, but the, at the training ground stadium, <laughs> it doesn't get given. Like we, we know for a fact that if that's Sergio Ramos sort of barging over Muriel, he doesn't get sent off. Like, I'm sorry, but he doesn't. And, and we have the same thing down the other end, the, <laughs> the, the Casemiro, uh, non sending off, which he should have gotten a second yellow for a dive. He should. It's it's one of those things you know that's not going to get given against Real Madrid, <laughs> and it's just it is very frustrating. And it's not just Real Madrid; it's it's the whole power balance of certain clubs are so big that whether consciously, probably more subconsciously, the referees are hesitant to make those kind of big calls against them because they know what will follow in terms of hassle from the media and being thrown out to, to the wolves by the managers. And they know that that kind of controversy means they're less likely to get prestigious games down the line so that they, they have an incentive to avoid that sort of fallout. And, and it is incredibly frustrating when you have a team like Atalanta who have done, I think, what every sort of small, with apologies, was a provincial club in the world a dream of, which is they still have a small budget. Like, this, this is still bottom half of the Serie A in terms of money. But they managed to put together a team that plays incredible football that sort of everyone enjoys, and they made it to the Champions League, and they made it to the knockout stage second year in a row. And they're facing a depleted Real Madrid. They have this unique opportunity to take a historic win against Real Madrid. And and you give that decision early on in the game. It's complete nonsense. I do do get what Lars is saying, though, Andy. Um, But leaving that aside... The thing that how me, Dutton, how can you well, leave it aside? No, very easily because sometimes you get a bag full of lucky dips and you get all the best stuff. But um, the thing that struck me was how Zinedine Zidane was celebrating this one goal, and I'm thinking to myself, "Come on now, you've been playing against ten men for most of this match. You can't, you can't make out like this was the Battle of Atalanta and we've just won it." What, what, what's going on? No, that's true. And I, I think the the fact that it's where Real Madrid are at the moment, Dotton, and it's the way they were always going to end up under Zinedine Zidane. You know, they don't play exceptional football. And um, I think if you look at, if, if you go back to last weekend in La Liga, 
I've said elsewhere that they played worse in winning at Valladolid than Atletico did in losing at home to Levante. Um, Real Madrid are not exactly the dream factory at the moment. Um, if if there was going to be a goal, as I said, it was always going to be a, a, a set piece or, or, or something exceptional. Um, on the other hand, I do think we have to say where Real Madrid are going globally under Zidane is is one question. Um, and whether they're whether they're good enough to win the league if Atletico can go anywhere near holding their nerve, I think is a reasonable question. And it's going to be fascinating because not this weekend, but next weekend, Atletico will be playing Real Madrid in, in, in the derby. Now, Atletico completely lost the thread in the first game and Real Madrid ground it out and they're so good at grinding those games out. And, you know, who knows? Maybe that will give them the edge in... in in the in the title race, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if Real Madrid were able to go on and, and win the title without playing particularly exceptional football. Um, but where where we have to compliment Zidane is a that bloody mindedness that, that that his team have, and two the fact that they've they've got so many players out. I mean, they have so they had so many players out at Atalanta. He was forced to start Isco. <laughs> which you know, bear, 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 bear in mind they had to get down to. 11 available outfield first-teamers to actually put Isco in the team. But even then, as you say, Dotton, he's, he's so naturally conservative. They're playing against 10 men. They've got a lot of good players on the pitch. And then they're going for it, in inverted commas. They take off Vinicius Junior and replace him with Mariano. Why don't you stick an extra attacking player on the pitch? It's because Zidane would never think to do that. I, I did think that was funny in the run-up. You saw I saw a couple of sort of projected Madrid 11s in which they still had Isco on the bench. They had Mariano starting <laughs> instead. And you had the report saying, oh, there's only 11 fit first-teamers. That's a dig. <laughs> That's a bit of a dig at Isco. No, listen, I need, I, need to, I need to censor myself. Listen, we shouldn't be talking about the referees. It's just the, the frustration got the better of me there uh, for a minute. And you have to say, of course, of course Zidane was, was pumping the air. I mean, he knows this is not a... He knows this is not a great Real Madrid team. He will know that better than anyone. And he knows they're depleted and, and down to the bare bones, as someone from this country would say. And, and they've gone away to Atalanta. Still a difficult thing to do. And even with the 10 men, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge win for him. It is long term. The frustration remains, I think, with Real Madrid that they're not able to expedite this sort of uh, generational change that needs to happen to this team, that the younger players are not uh, given the keys to the kingdom and that they're still looking at sort of cross Modric, Casemiro, these dudes to, to, to drag them along. But it's working for now. And I guess in this season of all seasons, there's so much else going on that you're just going to have to get through and get the best results you can. Um, first of all, I, I, I have a feeling that Andy has let his game of the week out of the bag. We'll see if it's... Game of next uh, week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking, Eviva Espana-wise. But um, before we come to game of the week very shortly, we've still got a few more things to discuss. But what about in the return leg, Andy? Can... Atalanta do one over on this Real Madrid when they have a full 11 men on the pitch? Well, it's, it's funny because despite Lars eloquently pointing out that we kind of got robbed of what should have been a, a very exciting opportunity. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a very op- exciting opportunity for, for, for Atalanta. Um, 
and the, the nil-nil result, bizarrely for a, a team like that, would have been absolutely perfect. Uh, I think for them to go away and know that um, they just needed one goal, goal in the Bernabeu, which I feel pretty convinced that they're able to get, would put Real Madrid in a, a whole world of pain. But I think to think that Real Madrid have, have got it all sealed up already is 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 incorrect. And I think if you look at some of um, Real Madrid's results in home legs of knockout ties over the last couple of years. I think, you know, you look at them against Juventus, you look at them against Ajax. I don't think it's a fair complete by any stretch of the imagination. And Atalanta do have those different attacking options, which because of not just the sending off, but the injury to Duvan Zapata as well, they were, they were unable to use. So, you know, you got the point where Josep Pilicic came on, for example, and he was just unable to get a foothold in the game because by that point it was all one way and Madrid sort of chipping away diligently trying to trying to get a chance and and them sort of monopolizing the ball so 11 versus 11 in the Bernabeu I'm keen to see it not a fait accompli I think we'll move on Talking of fate accomplis, it doesn't look as if anybody wants to accomplish any fate in the. I failed. I failed my French O level. It was extraordinary. But at the top of League A, nobody wants to. Flipping, <laughs> well, mate, you take the ball by the horns and run with it. And thanks to PSG, they've just invited Monaco to the party by losing 2-0. I know that's your specialist subject, Andy, but let's go to Lars first for this. PSG doing really well in the Champions League, but seem to be having howlers time and, time and again in their domestic league. How come? Yeah, I watched this game against uh, Monaco, which wasn't uh, as fun as you'd think in Monaco upset at the Parc des Plans should be not, not a ton of chances but I think I, I, I kind of feel this <laughs> I was about to say I kind of feel from Rizzo Pochettino I mean that might be my default position over the last couple of years <laughs> Uh, but but in this game, when you've got when Verratti can't start or has to be rested, when Di Maria's not around, when Neymar's not there, you end up starting a midfield of Idrissa Ganagay, Leandro Paredes, Nanda Herrera. It's not a ton of creativity in there. As much as PSG have an embarrassment of riches, they kind of don't when you take a <laughs> take a couple of players out of it, and. Um, now that is a diss uh, aimed in the direction of Julian Draxler and Rafinha, who who came in and were not able to provide the kind of creativity that you want. But they looked so one-paced in midfield, uh, PSG, and they really struggled to to move the ball forward with any great conviction. And you can have, uh, you know, the, the the new best player in the world, Kylian Mbappe, as we're sort of rapidly moving towards. But you got to feed him, you know, you got to feed the got to feed the goat, as they say. And um, and they weren't able to do that with any sort of conviction or consistency. I thought, and I, I want to turn this around you can say that for Pochettino coming in at PSG and then not winning the title in France is, is a minor catastrophe but I would flip that on its head 
and say that actually there's no way PSG could like sack him now. Like even by their standards, this would be completely nonsensical. So the fact that the team's shortcomings are being brought to bear so clearly could actually be helpful for him down the line because it gives him the sort of uh, it gives him the chance to go to the board and say, yeah, I know you want to sign Messi and you want to spend money on all these big names, or whatever, but I need this and this and this because look, my squad doesn't work. And, and maybe having a few, trying to put a positive spin on it for him and for PSG, maybe having a few duff results like this uh, going forward will will, will, will will highlight some of the failings in the squad that need to be addressed. But wasn't this the same PSG that made mincemeat out of Barcelona just the other week, Andy? Uh, Mbappe was no to be seen it's as if Barcelona aren't that good Dotton <laughs> uh, I, 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 I think it's, it's it's interesting because if if you look at their difficulties not just in this game but generally against the rest of the top four over this season they've taken one point from direct confrontations with the other teams in the top four add on to that home defeat against Marseille who definitely thought they were going to be in the top four at the start of the season and it's just a litany of uh, Paris not being able to show up on the big occasion and and beating up on the weaker teams Um, I think Mbappe we can kind of give him a pass for this because he contributed so much in that Barcelona game and I, I thought it was interesting what Lars was saying about Monaco's approach to this they went to early on, overrun Paris physically because they thought, well, they're, they're going to be knackered from giving so much in, in Barcelona in the week. And I, I think that was pretty sound, that idea of catching them on their heels early on. And teams don't really go to the Parc de Prince and, and try and do that. And if you look at the way that, say, Marseille won there earlier in the season, it was completely opposite in, in, in terms of approach. It was defend, 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 sucker punch. So I think that bit of bravery is going to be really important in the rest of this title race. Monaco are very, very well set up to do that because um, I think defensively, I still have my questions about them, even though they kept a clean sheet in this game. And uh, they're much better on the on, on the front foot. But if, if teams can be brave enough to have a go at, uh, at Paris, especially their direct rivals, and that's something that's quite interesting, I think. And especially in the case of Lyon and Monaco, who don't have European football to play, um, Paris Saint-Germain are going to be more and more implicated in the Champions League. It makes me think that maybe this title race can at least keep going for a, a little bit longer. And Lille, who won 4-1 at Lorient at the weekend and play really well, they've got a lot of forward options. They look the best of the lot at the moment. And interestingly, or well, it might be, again, a fair complete by the time you listen to this, but they're playing the second leg of their um, Europa League tie against Ajax tonight. They lost the first leg. I don't really fancy them getting through the second leg. I think really from their perspective, if they go out of Europe, it's not the worst thing in the world at this stage. And then you have three teams who are really only going to be playing one game a week for most of the rest of this season, Coupe de France notwithstanding. And that does make it a bit more tricky for for, for PSG. But like Lars, I don't think Pochettino's future really rests on this because you think the last time they changed coach mid-season it was when Antoine Camboare went out and Carlo Ancelotti came in Ancelotti inherited a team that was first and guided them to second behind uh, Olivier Giroud's <laughs> Montpellier so uh, and, and he's considered the, the the best PSG coach of, of of modern times so you know maybe if anything losing the league is a is a good thing for Pochettino <laughs> <laughs> I mean he has 
one of the things he's done so far that hasn't fully worked out is it looks to me like Pochettino's really trying to make Mauro Icardi happen uh, and, and, and give him a lot of time uh, at center forward. And Icardi can be so frustrating because he can be just one of the most impressive finishers. But, you know, when he's not quite on it, he's kind of like the David Blaine of football. Like he spends a lot of time <laughs> in a box not doing anything. <laughs> Which just isn't it isn't very good when you when you're when you're in particular having trouble creating stuff. So I, I don't know. It's, it's it's frustrating, and I think as much as there's talk, oh yeah, it's it's, it's all about we got to bring Neymar in, and can we have Neymar and Mbappe? No, sorry, we got to bring Messi, and can we have Messi, and Neymar, and Mbappe? I, I I still think there's more to do with the squad in beefing up the midfield and 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 allowing Pochettino to have the type of players he, that he wants for the type of football he's been brought in to provide. Do we have to explain that uh, David Blaine in the box reference nope. to people who don't know where the River Thames is and haven't heard River Deep They, they, they have high? the internet. It's fine. They'll figure it out. <laughs> Andy? Uh, yeah, I, I, I love that analogy. I'm, I'm definitely having that. And I, I think, unfortunately, he's destined to be part of this galaxy of of, of stars for so much longer. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Leonardo's um, done, done an interview today where he's talked about them, in his opinion, being quite close on the extension of Kylian Mbappe, which is clearly a good thing. Um, mm. Close on Neymar as well. And that their main aims are to re-sign the, 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 the Fantastic Four. Well, as, as he says it, and I think if you're Juan Bernat, you're pretty pleased that you've got <laughs> squeezed in that Fantastic Four of Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria and Bernat. And that gives them very little space with which to work. So I think with Pochettino, I mean, people always say that if if you're in charge of a club with more money than God, where's the challenge? Could you do it at a lesser club? I think it's a whole different sort of problems. This is very much notorious B.I.G. puffy end of the park, isn't it? Your games of the week, gentlemen. And okay, Andy, you're not going for the Madrid derby a few days later than perhaps uh, we would like. But what would your game of the week be for us to uh, salivate over? There there, there are some crackers this weekend. um, But the one I'm going to have to go for, you're going to have to wait till Sunday night. um, Marseille versus uh, Lyon, which... I, I, I think we're a bit early yet to be talking about the Olympic de Marseille revival, but of course they've got um, a coach coming from our friend Tim Vickery's land in uh, Jorge Sampaoli. Um, that's going to be made official um, in, in, the, in the next few hours as we record, uh, I understand. Um, it won't be on the bench, it looks like, in time for the, for, for the game on Sunday night, not least because of coronavirus regulations. I can't wait to see how it's going to work. He's so explosive and they're such an explosive club. It's, it's going to be fascinating. Um, but at least since Andre Villas-Boas has left, Dimitri Payet started to play a bit more like himself as, as, as well. So it's a huge challenge for Leon to go there and get the result they need to, to stay in the title race. And there's always so much chip between these, these two teams as well. So even if a lot of Marseille's ambitions have, have gone for a walk this season, they will absolutely love to, to have a go at beating Leon. And last where are you going to go for your game of the week? Now, now listen, if you're looking for fun and goals... You know, I, I would tend to look towards RB Leipzig versus Gladbach. You know, two teams who like to push right up, like to attack. None of them have a big plan B in terms of like sitting back and stifling. That should be exciting, high energy. But you know, 
It's not all about the goals and the great football, you know. Sometimes you Isn't need it? a bit of tension. Sometimes you need a bit of tension. <laughs> Sometimes you need a bit of tension. And I, and I think on Sunday, it, it might clash with Andy's game. I might have to two-screen this. But I think it might be a dreadful game. But Villarreal versus Atletico Madrid is wonderfully tense just because, mm. Via, just because Atleti have had their wobble near the top of the table. Uh, Villarreal had been going very well under Unai Emery in the autumn, but they themselves have been on this sort of really weird run now where they've drawn, I think it is five games. They've had five games and one defeat in their last six Five draws and one defeat in the last six. So odd stuff from Villarreal, but clearly a competent outfit and the type of sort of fairly solid defensive outfit that'll often give uh, give Atletico Madrid a bit of trouble because Atletico won't really be allowed to, to play their sort of counter-attacking uh, thing. It, it, this could potentially be dreadful in terms of entertainment, but it is a really exciting game because this this sort of nascent title race, it did look Atleti, like Atleti were running away with it in Spain, but they're not anymore. Uh, Real Madrid are hot on their heels. Barcelona, for all their troubles, keep winning games in the league. So the, the Atleti lead is, is slipping away and they have some injuries now and they're not looking very good. And then they're playing a slightly sort of cagey, tricky Villarreal team against Unai Emery there. I think that could be an interesting one Sunday night. But you might have to might want to two-screen this uh, if they clash time, I think yeah, the time the timings uh, should uh, should be yeah the clash uh, the timings are clashing exactly, Dalton. You, you might want to two screen this and have Marseille Leon on your main screen. Just keep a little <laughs> eye on what's going on uh, with the yellow submarine versus Diego Simeone. Uh, Squeaky bum one. game. Yeah, exactly right. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.